This is Plant-Based Briefing. How do people feel about non-speciesist language? By Aeneas Cousis at phonolytics.org. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson. This is the Plant-Based Podcast where I curate, get permission, and narrate a variety of articles on plant-based and vegan topics in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. Today's episode is from Phonolytics. I'm thrilled to have permission to share their content. And this is something I should do more often, but they have a lot of volunteers who write these summaries of studies. And I need to share these bios because it motivates me to know there are so many great people from all walks of life getting involved in this movement. So today's author is Aeneas Cousis. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it says he's a food scientist and community nutrition advocate holding degrees in dairy chemistry and plant protein chemistry. He's currently working towards a PhD in nutrition, concentrating on enhancing public health through meaningful improvements in grocery store design and practices. Very cool. So now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. How do people feel about non-speciesist language? Summary by Aeneas Cousis at phonolytics.org. Original study by Leach S. and Daunt K. in 2023. Using compassionate terms for animals signals deep ethical beliefs, but it also stirs strong feelings, especially among meat eaters. When a person refers to an animal as someone rather than an object or something, it signifies a resistance to objectifying them. Furthermore, avoiding euphemisms like culling instead of killing or pork instead of pig meat highlights their suffering and acknowledges the harm they endure. However, talking about animals in commodifying ways remains the norm in Western society. In this study, researchers wanted to address two questions. Does compassionate language mirror an individual's ethical stance towards animals? And does it provoke backlash, especially from meat-eaters who may feel morally threatened by such language? The authors carried out three online studies described below. Study 1. Non-speciesist language, dietary choices, and moral stances. In Study 1, the authors investigated how non-speciesist language use is perceived in terms of the speaker's dietary habits and ethical positions regarding animals. 250 UK adults read mock social media conversations with someone named John who used either speciesist or non-speciesist terms. For example, the speciesist dialogue referred to pig meat as pork and an individual pig as it, while the non-speciesist dialogue instead used the term flesh and called the pig a she. After reading the content, participants were asked how likely it was that John was a vegetarian or vegan and whether he held speciesist beliefs. As the authors expected, participants were more inclined to believe John was a vegetarian or vegan and less likely to believe he held speciesist beliefs when he used non-speciesist language. This suggests that the choice to use non-speciesist language serves as a strong indicator of an individual's ethical commitment towards animals. Study 2. Social Consequences of Language Study 2 aimed to isolate the effects of different types of non-speciesist language. The authors also wanted to learn how meat-eaters feel about interacting with individuals who use such terminology. 350 UK adults, mostly meat-eaters, were shown a series of three social media conversations with Jamie, Ashley, and Alex, containing either speciesist or non-speciesist language. The language was categorized as one of the following. Euphemisms, for example, alluding to killing animals as going through them in the speciesist version versus murdering them in the non-speciesist one. Dichotomized and essentialized categories, for example, defining animals by their use, such as food animals in the speciesist version versus calling them animals reared for food in the non-speciesist one. And objectification, for example, calling animals it in the speciesist version versus she in the non-speciesist one. 
Participants had to estimate the likelihood of the speaker being vegetarian or vegan and their likelihood of interacting with the person. Results indicated that meat-eaters tended to classify someone as vegetarian or vegan if they used non-speciesist language. This was especially the case when someone avoided euphemisms such as meat in preference for words like flesh. Furthermore, meat-eaters preferred to interact with individuals who adhered to speciesist language norms, especially those who avoided euphemisms. However, they were neutral towards those who personified versus objectified animals. These findings suggest that using non-speciesist language may cause social consequences, especially among those who eat animals. In Study 3, Social Impressions and Avoidance Study 3 aimed to explore the judgments that people make about those who use non-speciesist language and how these judgments differ based on a person's diet. 485 UK meat-eaters and 300 vegetarians and vegans were told they were being paired with another participant named John. They were then given a story written by John about his recent trip to a farm, using either speciesist or non-speciesist language. After reading, participants shared their impressions of John, if they thought he was a vegetarian or vegan, how compassionate or arrogant he seemed, and if they'd like to interact with him. A noticeable trend emerged among meat-eaters who were less interested in interacting with someone whose story contained non-speciesist language. Conversely, vegetarians and vegans displayed a more neutral stance on what type of language was used. Both meat-eaters and vegetarians and vegans felt that those using non-speciesist language seemed arrogant, yet meat-eaters felt this way more strongly. Meanwhile, meat-eaters felt those using non-speciesist language were less compassionate, while vegetarians and vegans felt the opposite, viewing them as more compassionate. For meat-eaters, perceiving someone as compassionate and arrogant made them less desirable to get to know. For vegetarians and vegans, perceiving someone as compassionate made them more desirable to interact with, but seeing them as arrogant made them less desirable. The authors argue that meat-eaters are being critical of those whose outspoken moral leanings make their own choices, i.e. eating and exploiting animals, seem inferior. This is called do-gooder derogation. From Language to Action Many animal advocates work to change the way people think about and speak about animals. This study suggests that using non-speciesist language can backfire, especially when engaging meat-eaters who often feel attacked or looked down upon by those who morally reject animal exploitation. Nevertheless, there may be opportunities to change how everyone refers to animals moving forward. Because omnivores were less reactive to personifying language, advocates may want to focus on changing social norms around referring to animals as it, versus she, he, or them, before moving on to other types of non-speciesist terms. Ultimately, as with any campaign, it's important to know your audience before crafting the language and messages you use to reach them. You just listened to How Do People Feel About Non-Speciesist Language by Aeneas Cousis at Phonolytics.org, and I'm your host, Marian Erickson, and I found it really surprising that both the meat-eaters and the vegetarians and vegans felt that those using non-speciesist language seemed arrogant. My guess is it's partly a lack of knowledge and comfort with the terms, because it does really seem strange. I remember when I first started learning about speciesist language, it's really shocking because it's not the way we normally speak. There's a great series of YouTube videos I watched when I was learning about this, and I'll link one of them in the show notes. They're from Challenge Speciesism. They suggested, you know, if you hear an animal rustling in a bush or something, you don't say something's in the bushes, you say someone's in the bushes. And that one really got to me. It's interesting. I've done a few other episodes on this, and there was a PETA campaign years ago that I mentioned in one of these episodes that had huge backlash from people talking about how ridiculous it is. But language matters, and language influences our thinking and 
That's evidenced, I think, in how many terms referring to humans are now politically incorrect as well. And if you're interested in other episodes on this topic, I'll link these in the show notes, but check out 273 and 274, Why Aren't More Veterinarians Vegan? by Karen Asp at sentientmedia.org. 500, Join Us to End Speciesism and Derogatory Definitions and Speciesist Slurs, Language Matters by PETA.org. 601, Speciesism, The Original Discrimination, featuring Gary Yarovsky at bitesizevegan.org. And 618 and 619, The Philosophy of Animal Rights by Tom Reagan at all-creatures.org. So check those out in the show notes and please share this episode with anyone who might benefit. And thanks for listening.